Hi, as always, it's Darren. Uh, for any first-time listeners, I head up the account management and customer success team here at Hackjob. This week, I'm joined by Rosemary Wilson, mindset and leadership coach. Hi, Rosemary. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. So I guess for all the listeners that uh, aren't aware of you or haven't come across you during their, their, their time in the industry, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, okay, where should I start? My name, obviously, is Rosemary Wilson. I am the founder of Pragmatica Coaching, which is a coaching and training company. My focus is around mindset, confidence and leadership. And I work one-to-one with women, mostly a lot in women in tech. And I also work with organizations who are committed to investing in and retaining talent within their organization whilst also focusing on diversity and inclusion. And the women I work with um, one-to-one, they are, it's mostly around them wanting to thrive in the role they're in or they want to take the next step in their career. So it's around building up their confidence, emotional intelligence, getting past any imposter syndrome and and those sorts of areas. And for the organizations, I run workshops around nurturing talent, um, same, same subjects, confidence building, emotional intelligence and leadership. So that's just a little bit about me. I don't know if you want me to go into detail when I started or you're going to ask me that. I'll let you carry yeah, on. Yeah, well, I guess that was going to be my next question because you've got quite an interesting background. Uh, what would be really interesting to understand is how you got into the position you are now and uh, I guess some of the interesting projects you're working on. So I started off my, my life in finance and then I, um, I have a natural penchant for knowing how things work. So that transitioned neatly into kind of a tech role change management where I implemented large-scale financial systems within oil and gas and some banking. Sure. And I've had a fantastic career, absolutely wonderful, fantastic career. But I started to feel a little bit sort of unfulfilled, uh, maybe a bit, a little bit disillusioned with things that were going on around leadership style, things that were going on in organizations that I was working in. And I guess I didn't have the maturity, knowledge or experience, confidence to figure out what I could do differently. So I've always been someone who's very much been interested in people. I'm very much a people person. I've always been the kind of objective voice of reason. So my friends will come and ask me, uh, you know, they'll talk to me about anything because they know I'm not going to judge them. Mm. They'll just become, they'll come to me with open questions or I've got this situation that's going on. What do you think? And I won't necessarily give my opinion. I'll just help them to see their own answer because I'm not attached to their life. I'm not attached sure. to their, their own opinion. So I had all this going on behind me. And I think I've got this kind of spooky wisdom about understanding humans and people and their behaviors. And I guess I was, I'm quite fascinated with that. So mm. I thought, well, what could I do with that when I wanted to move on from when I decided I wanted to move on from the corporate world. So I retrained as a coach and uh, you know, I, I've honed my craft literally and really, really love it. And I started off working one-to-one with with women and I started seeing some common themes coming through Hmm. and that just kind of evolved to where I am now with running the workshops and the programs. What I do lends itself well to being online. I'm still delivering my uh, coaching. Well, I did a lot of my coaching on over the phone and on, on online anyway, but the workshops are slightly different. So I'm running, still running workshops online and I'm doing more webinars, talks, uh, podcasts, radio. There's some YouTube stuff out there. So I'm just making myself, keeping myself busy, keeping myself visible, keeping myself active. 
and um, yeah, changed a few things, but I, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying, enjoying the experience to be honest, I, I have to say. Um, interestingly, I've discovered I'm an introvert. So anyway, <laughs> that's nice. me. What's going so on? Uh, I, I guess the, the question is always on the like coaching side of things. It's a, it's a passion project. It's something that you have to be very, very interested in. Like, I love my job at Ag Job, but when I was five years old, I probably wouldn't have told you that I was going to be in this role. Is this something you always had an intent to do or was it something that you kind of decided after a little bit of time that look, this is something I'd like to move into? So I think from an early age, strangely, I, I've always helped people. So I remember being seven in the playground, sorry, telling people where babies come from. <laughs> uh, who knew? I, don't, I had no idea because my parents certainly did not tell me where babies came from, but somehow I knew. So I'm quite inquisitive and quite curious. I'm a natural learner. So, but I didn't think anything of that. When I left, um, when, when I studied, I went into, I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be an accountant, which is mm. you know, finance. I went into finance. So I think on my, uh, I wanted to be, um, I think it was three things. I wanted to be an accountant, an interpreter or a, an air hostess and a, a steward. Those three were the three things. things. Yeah. Very, very, very different. But the one that stuck was the finance part. And that came out as I got older. So no, I didn't, didn't want to be a coach. That was something I'd never heard of. But I think I've naturally been a coach. I've always been, as I said, I was a natural voice of reason. Even when I was younger and going through my own difficulties, I was someone who would answer questions or help out my peers, my, my senior management teams. Um, people would just come to me as a, as a really good sounding board. So I think I've always been a coach without knowing what coaching was. And then I stumbled on coaching in 2003. And I thought, well, wow, this is amazing. And I bided my time until I could then move on to doing this for rather than just a passion, but doing it with my whole heart and, and, and everything on board. Sure. And, uh, and I, I guess the, the elephant in the room with anyone when talking to someone with your expertise is women in tech. Women in tech is something that every company talks about. But when you get a bit of a gauge of what they're doing to improve it it's always kind of questionable it's always quite interesting to see okay what are you actually doing to to move the dial rather than saying you're looking for kind of women in tech so so i guess what have you seen change in your time in your in your role and since starting your company compared to where we are now so i've seen that we are we are definitely talking about it more we're engaging we're engaging in different ways to get more women on board in the tech space. But what I've also seen is that there are lots of people, organizations going out to schools and really bringing those, those girls on board to know that there is a place and space for them in, in the tech world, you know, engineering, technology, digital, there is a space for them. And because they're seeing more women that look like them, what's the phrase that you can't be what you can't see? Mm. They are thinking, well, maybe there is something around that that I want to do. So I've seen lots of organizations that there's lots of different ways to do it. Some are, are more effective than others. But what I'm also seeing is that I guess younger organizations, and when I say younger, I don't mean of age within the organization, but the, the time the company's been alive, they are seemingly doing more to bring women in tech on board and making space for them to, to stick around and stay more so still we've still got a long way to go but um that's what i've seen change definitely and i think what's fascinating when i look at the industry and myself and you spoke about this a couple of weeks ago that if you look at the tech industry as is, is almost subsections there's some areas that um and i mentioned 
uh, I think JavaScript when I spoke to you last, where you can see that there is there's a, a fair, there's a divide still. We're not at 50-50, but you can see it's a lot closer. And then when you look at uh, more infrastructure-based technologies like DevOps, uh, cloud engineering, that kind of areas, it's more like 10% women, 90% men. So you, you've mentioned some initiatives that companies are doing that you've seen, but is there anything that you think companies could be doing a little bit more to mean that all parts and all subsections of the industry are, are being helped? Yeah, so I think going into the schools is, is definitely still a, a big thing. So starting from an early age, earlier age, encouraging girls that non-traditional roles are out there and open, whether that is, again, um, you know, being a scientist or a, an engineer rather than, sorry, no offence, hairdresser, you know, what's typical that they kind of drive sure. girl, young girls to do. Um, so there's there's that space. What else can be done? I think doing these kind of cycles of going into an organization, going into a school or going into a college to say, this is what's going on. This is what's happening in the tech space. Shouldn't just be a one-off exercise. It should also be something that's committed to and put on a, a almost a re repeat cycle. So a sustainable cycle cycle. So showcase it, tell everyone what you're doing and repeat and keep that going rather than saying, Oh, I've done my job now. Let me, let me walk away. Um, and then generally from, from, from board level, it, it should be something that's bought into because you hear a lot of organizations saying, yeah, we want more, more, more women in tech. And it's a bit of a numbers game. Um, sure. You know, the women that you're getting to, to, to your recruiting, do they want to be there? Do they want to be in your organization? Are you making space for them? Are you making it a space for them to be comfortable in um, and not feel alienated or excluded in any way? So there's lots of different ways around that. I mean, I, I could go on forever. So, you know, feel free to, to cut me off in my, um, as I said, I think younger companies are, are generally doing it better, um, rather than the traditional companies that have tech within in, ingrained within their, their organizations. But the other thing is to note, you know, when you've got this culture of doing things a certain way, it can be hard to change it. So it can be hard to, it's the path of least resistance yep. to get, something different going on again if that's not bought in at, at board level you know and and then filtered through cascaded through the the whole of the organization i think that's really 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 key very important apologies i can't remember the quote that you you gave a minute ago about you you can't change if you can't see or something you, like that. you can't be what you can't see you can't be what you can't uh so i i think that's a fascinating quote because i was listening to a podcast the other week and it was from a, a big media organization and someone from the audience had challenged them and said, like, I've been listening to your uh, podcast and your video podcast for like 10 years since you began. But since I've been listening to you, I've seen two women on your, on your podcast and I've never seen anyone from any ethnic background other than white. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it kind of opened up my eyes. That I hadn't really considered it. Um, but it's within an industry. It's actually within the video games journalism industry. But I would agree with that statement to some extent. It's very male orientated, very um, Caucasian orientated as an industry. So yeah. if I come out from outside of that, it's almost like a club that I don't feel like I can join. Yeah. You, you feel like there's no one there to aspire to be. Yeah. It's, it's a really it's interesting the, way to look at it. Yeah. It's just a kind of, it's, it's, it's not, um, I call it the exclusion zone, but you know, people look around and they see, well, what are other people that look like me doing? Yeah. Um, as you say, and, you know, and this is probably a, 
a, a situation for marginalized groups, minorities, underrepresented groups, rather than traditional, not, not going not gonna to go white man bashing, you know, than white men, middle-aged men with suits on. I'm not, I'm not going down that route. Sure. It's quite hard for us to, to see, oh, I want to be, do something different, but you know, and, and I don't think we necessarily have to always see them doing something. I think we, it's great if we have the choice, if we, we're opened, the opportunities are saying, well, you could do this or you could do that. I know there's not anyone there that looks like you at the moment, but, you know, you could think about doing that and just making that more of a, a kind of an open choice, giving, giving yeah. us the option to, if you're in a marginalized group or underrepresented group, to say, well, I want to try my hand at X. That's, that's a little bit different. So, um, yeah, there's, I think there's lots we can do in, in the space as well. But, you know, as, as marginalized or my, people in the minority, we don't, don't always have the tools, expertise, know-how, tactics to actually do anything differently because we're not taught that way or it's not, it's not um, given to us in, in schools, etc. So we don't often think outside of that so-called box. I've got a, a niece who would fall into the, all kinds of minority areas. Uh, like uh, she's two years old and not to bash certain industries, but I tend to agree with what you've, what you said at the start where it's like, I don't want her to feel like she needs to go down a certain road in her career because that's what is considered to be the road that she should go down. Yeah. I, I hear my sister and luckily my sister don't listen to the podcast. But I hear, listen to her sometimes talk about, Oh, she's going to be, she's going to be a dancer. It's going to be this. She's going to be that. Yeah. And really I would love it if Vienna went into like a STEM course and yeah. she did all the, all, she had the opportunities to do all the things I wish I'd known about. I, when I went to school, I didn't know that computer science was a thing. I didn't know that like design engineering was a thing. I never really thought about going down like the doctor or the law, lawyer route because it just wasn't talked about in the small market town I came from. So I would love it if there's more promotion of, look, what are you interested in? Here's the options of what you could do. I wish I'd had more career coaching in my, in my early life. Yeah. And that's definitely interesting what you're saying about, you know, your, 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 you said your sister saying, um, you want you to be a dancer or something. Yeah. And that, again, that's a kind of, the girls do this and boys do that kind of roles. Yeah. And I think also, yeah, obviously there's lots that influence us as we're growing up, you know, parents, teachers, what you see around you, your role model, all of it. And I think we all have a responsibility to help our future generation create choices for themselves that choices where they're actually that, that, that they actually want to do yeah. um, but the other thing is that you can change your mind which is fine that's what happened you know I started out in finance and now I've got a coaching and training company that's what happens but at least give them the, the opportunity to say I want to do something different from what my parents did or you know or my aunt did or my uncle did do, do something different I, and I think that's really 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 important to you know, as a societal now, we, we do things that kind of everybody else is doing almost. And we get stuck into this kind of sheep mode. I, I see it. And I think people are dare that they, they don't dare to be different because it kind of breaks the norms. And I think I've, because I had that from an early age, I'm quite a rebel. Um, and, you know, people, my parents, well, my, my father's passed away now, but my mum just does not understand me because I'm so far away from you know, she came over here from Jamaica in the, in the sixties. And, and this is what you do. You get a job for life. You stick at it, get married, have kids. That's it. End of story kind of thing Buy your little house. If you yep. can afford a house. <laughs> um, but I, I broke them all. I broke out. I broke out. So, you know, that's freeing. And I, and I love to share that sense of freedom with other people as well. It's really, really one of my passion passions, obviously. 
that's why I do what I do. <laughs> so I know you, you recently hosted uh, a live coaching event and uh, one of the themes that you, you spoke about was women taking up space. Um, so I guess my question on that side is, can you give us a bit of an overview? Because it's quite an interesting theme to look at. One particular part of the event was delivered by me, but the, the event was, was created by Women in Tech Global Movement, yep. which has chapters all, all around the globe. So I, I can't not give... Um, credit where credit's due. Credit to where credit's due. That would not be proper of me. <laughs> so um, Ayumi Moore is, is the, the founder of Women in Tech Global Movement, and she, has, and she put together this amazing team, and it started on one day, and it was 24 hours, follow the sun around the globe. And the, the theme was women taking up space. So they, all sorts of things were discussed. And they had one of the scientists from um, NASA. She opened up the show as well, which nice. was opened up the, the event, which was amazing. So, but anyway, my part in that was it's just, you know, in the great scheme of things, was, was, was an hour. And I, I coached, I did a live coaching session with a, it's out in the public domain. So it was a woman from a, um, a, a cloud um, operating company. And I coached her on a, on a specific issue that she was struggling with. Hmm. So I'd met her uh, previously. I'd, we'd invited people to kind of step forward who wanted to be coached live. And it's really important for there to be rapport and chemistry. So, you know, we, we had good, this particular lady, we had good rapport chemistry. So we had a live coaching session and I was able to basically move her from where she felt quite stuck she was struggling with balance. She was very ambitious, but she was doing too much and she was struggling with her work, uh, work-life balance, as so many of us do. So I moved her from what she, wanted, what she was doing currently to what she wanted to change in that space. But she did have the element of if she stepped back, if she paired herself back a little bit, because she was in a leadership team in her role, what would that look like to the outside world? And we, you know, we talked about boundary setting, um, stepping up, you know, you know, if you're, if you're not well, what's going to happen to your role? So we, you know, we, we went through a number of, of different areas and in the end she made some decisions, commitment to, to make some changes to what she'd been doing. And I checked in on her two weeks after the event and she was doing amazingly well. And she also found the experience incredible, incredibly enlightening, but also incredibly powerful for what she wanted to change. So that amazing. was one, a wonderful experience. Yeah. So it's still out there live. I'll, I'll can share it with you if anybody wants to know. Uh, I was going to yeah, say we'll, uh, we'll we'll get Daisy who uh, <laughs> does a lot of work on this pod to uh, to uh, get that out on into the uh, the ether after this. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, Hacker Job is doing quite a lot to to change perception of women in tech as well. So there's an example of a, a woman that we helped a lady called Melanie. Um, and when we started working with her, she came into the industry. I believe she was on something beginning to move free and we doubled her salary because in the role that she'd been working in, um, they'd completely undervalued her for a long time. And something that I often see perceived in the industry, but I'm happy to be challenged by you, is the invisible glass ceiling that we, we kind of all see, um, but very few people talk about. So firstly, do you think there is an invisible glass ceiling? And secondly, how do you think, if you do believe in that, that we can change? So there's definitely a glass ceiling. Definitely, definitely, definitely a glass ceiling. And I've got my theory on this. And, you know, this, is, this will be a great discussion to have, a panel discussion. I think amazing. Maybe that's your next job, Darren. <laughs> um, so some, there's some people out there who want to keep that glass ceiling in place they don't want people joining them at the table because they don't want them there because they're different 
Sure. End of story. They're out there and they are active, uh, unfortunately, um, which all sits in the same space as kind of bullying in the workplace, but that's a whole different discussion. Then you've got some people who are blissfully unaware of the glass ceiling. They yep. don't say it doesn't exist. What, you, what are you talking about? There's no glass ceiling. I've always been able to do what I wanted to do. It doesn't matter, you know, different, different uh, categories there. And then there's some who are beneath the glass ceiling who are daunted by that glass ceiling. They see something that's out of their reach or they believe it to be out of their reach. And again, I think I said this earlier, you know, marginalized, unrepresented groups, minorities, they don't necessarily have the tools, the tactics, the know-how, the experience, the knowledge, the, um, the, the groups that will help them, the advocates to help them to do anything about this, this space of this glass ceiling, which, which I think is, is really, really, really a sad place to be. Um, and I, again, as I said, if, if the culture of an organization is, if it's ingrained and entrenched that you can only get to a certain level if you're um, a woman or you're black or you're Asian or you're um, something else, you know, your, your religion is in, into plays and in, comes into play, then that's just the way it's going to be. If nothing changes at that, that kind of, cultural level then it's always going to be there it's always going to be the path of least resistance that that, that they'll just keep on that that kind of journey that road um because that that's just been walked on for so long and you know now we're talking about it more glass ceilings and and diversity and inclusion and belonging something's shifting a little bit but we've still got a long way to go definitely in that space and i think also that you know, if you're going to focus on having women in your organization, don't make it difficult for them to do anything whilst they're there, whilst they're in there, because then they're just going to get fed up and then they're just going to leave. And then your organization will get, unfortunately, or fortunately, a bad reputation about what you do to the people that you're saying that you're, you're representing. So that's kind of a long way around that. I don't know if that actually answered your question, but that's they're my thoughts on the whole glass ceiling situation. No, it definitely answered my question. And I didn't think you would challenge me on it, but I never like to put words in someone's mouth because I was reading a, uh, a terrifying stat a couple of months ago where it's looking at the Fortune 500 companies and there's only 37 CEOs that are female at those, at those 500 companies, which I think is a terrifying fact because you can see it because there was, um, there was a stat where it said that that's four more than there was last year but four more in the grand scheme of 500 companies is not a lot. It's no. going to take a long time to, to change. Yeah, it, it will. It's going to take longer, but um, you know, I'd rather see something take longer and be sound. Makes sense. Than it goes in quickly, you know, like a quick fix thing. And then, you know, within a year we're back to, or even in a, in a, in a worse position than we, we were. So I'd like it to be stable, good foundations, grounding. That is something that we can build on and change cultures in, in the long term. Um, and, you know, if you think about being a, a lawyer in, in, the, in the legal space, you know, we're still struggling with um, that, that change as well, getting women in. So, you know, it, it's, it's getting there, but it's, it's just one of those slow uh, needle moves, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's interesting about the, 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 um, the stats that you just came up with, about 37%, but I'm not actually surprised by that at all, not at yeah. all. And yeah. um, I, I think that the, I've always said to every company I've ever worked with that sales is very male orientated as a market. I would say the two best people I've ever worked with in sales are both female. And so it shows that 
if you get the right people into the roles, it doesn't matter their sex or their yeah. orientation or anything like that. They can be the best at it. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you're going to get people into the role, make sure they are the best people for the role and make sure that you are, you have your eyes open to, to, so that you see their qualities and experience rather than just talking about gender all the time. Um, you've got to be able to, to look past that and say, this is the best person for the job as well quite often is overlooked because they're too busy looking for someone that looks like them or, so yeah, to speak, exactly. or thinks like them, so to speak. Yeah, a lot of time we, we look at the template of this is what background mm. I came from and I'm pretty good at this job. Let's find four more of me. Yeah. That's not the best way to create a diverse no. team. No, no, because you've got to have diverse thoughts. You've got to have diverse minds. You've got to have people that challenge and say, well, actually, no, I think this and not be, well, have the courage to say, well, I think differently, and but I want to be accepted for thinking differently rather than shunned because I my opinion is different from yours um, which is so often is what we do consciously or subconsciously and again that's where that that whole um, situation with promotion or, or hiring people that don't look like you fall, fall, falls down the line so so I, I think I'm safe in saying that we're both almost an extrovert where we can talk quite candidly and uh, we're quite comfortable being on like radio or podcasts or something like that but that's not how everyone is. A lot of people are more introvert. So have you got any tips that you would give to the people listening that maybe are a bit more introverted about how they can uh, still go forward in their career despite what personality they might have? Yeah, so, so definitely. Um, so if you're, um, so if we're talking about introverted, that you, my, my definition of introvert could be different from yours. So I just clarify that. If we're talking yep. about um, introverted you generally get your energy from within so you like to spend prefer to spend time maybe alone or you have your ideas stemming from inside so you may you may present as quieter in the workplace I'm not saying that every introvert is like that because you could be different but that's just generally so if you are more quiet in the workplace you are less likely to showcase your work and shout from the rooftops about how brilliantly you've handled this project or shine a light on your accomplishments. So if that's not you, because you have, it's, it helps to be visible, you don't have to be, but it helps to be visible in your workplace, or at least tell people what you've been doing, what you've been up to and present your accomplishments and, and talk about them somehow. And I think there's a way to do that by, you know, if you don't want to go into the meeting and speak up and say, look, this is what I did, look at me, look at me, you can find a way to have those kind of one-to-one -one conversations or put it structuredly in an email to say, this is what I've done. This is what I've achieved this week. But the, the, I think the worst thing you can do is achieve something amazing and incredible and don't tell anyone about it and just sit quietly saying, oh, well, I'm so proud of myself. Let me move on to my next task without someone knowing what you've done. Because that will actually ultimately help you rise in, in the workplace. Um, if you are introverted, quieter, and you're in a kind of, I don't know, shouty, loud environment and you feel uncomfortable, you, you do sometimes have to ask, is that the place you need to be? Um, because sometimes it's not the right vibe and you're just forcing yourself, you're tolerating and accepting a, a, a space that you don't actually want to be in. So that's, that's quite heavy, but you might want to think about finding a role or company that suits your, your own true values. So that's one, uh, uh, that's one other thing. And the other thing I would suggest is get an advocate. So someone who will shout on your behalf or, you know, that you can, someone you trust and someone who's championing you and that they are looking out for you because so often we're 
most people are, they go to work and they're like, what's in it for me emotionally, physically, financially, they're not really thinking about team or if they do, it's at a superficial level. So if you're going to be trusting someone to shout and champion on your behalf, shout about you and champion on your behalf, make sure you trust them and that they, they are genuinely interested in you and genuinely interested in champion what you championing what you stand for so i think that's really really important no i I love that i think this because the second point i thought was really interesting about because i would agree with that not every workplace is right for everyone Mm -hmm. i personally don't foresee that i'll ever work for a big corporate company like a couple of thousand person company because i like the idea of knowing at the end of the day changes that happen in that organization is with my input but some people want to work in like a big organization and they want that. So I think my biggest tip on that something, maybe this goes slightly out of introvert is pick the right company for yourself. Look at what values you have and what you're trying to achieve and then make your decisions based on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And that is where I yeah was going with that. So you, I think you picked up on that brilliantly. Um, <laughs> the whole values concept, you know, that don't get me started on values. Um, because it's not just about your personality type. It's what you, it's about what you believe in. And, and, quite often that doesn't start to play out until you start developing and seeing what you don't want in your life. And then you start exploring those values. But I think exploring your values from an early age, as soon as you get into um, the workplace, I think is really, really important. And I would say definitely advocate that don't go and work for a company if you don't believe in what they stand for or they are not doing what they say they're doing. They're, They're getting their investors to, to believe in X and they're actually doing something completely different. Don't work for those companies. Sorry folks, but you know, stick to your values and be true to yourself. I think that's really, really important. And then there'll be a lot less people disheartened in the workplace and they'll be more likely to really feel fulfilled and help the organization to also fulfill their values. I think that's really, really important. No, I absolutely agree. And I, I think for anyone that's listening to this uh, a couple of months down the line, I suspect we'll, we'll get some people that, that will do that. We're in the middle of COVID at the moment. And I think what's interesting is if you look at the market, everyone has had a little bit more time to reevaluate themselves and look at like personal brand. Yeah. So I think right now, this is the perfect moment to look at your personal brand and go, okay, what do I stand for? And what am I trying to achieve? Like yeah. I, I, um, I posted something today that, like I, I said to you before we even started the podcast, before, uh, back in January time, I probably would have said, working from home, never for me. Yeah. I still set me in, I'm a little <laughs> bit in that place, as I said, but I looked at it and some of the things I've done over the last 19 weeks, I definitely wouldn't have done before lockdown. Like I definitely wouldn't have re- redecorated my house. I don't remember the last time I read a book and I've read 27 books in that time. Wow. I know. And I don't like reading. Well, oh. I, I say I don't like reading. I, I don't like reading when I'm on a, a train is probably what I'm, I'm oh, finding okay. out. How do you think the idea of, of personal brand or how do you think people will look at personal brand uh, in the coming months compared to previously? Okay. I think that's a really, really brilliant question and, and a discussion I'm, I'm having lots of at the moment. I did, um, again, lots of things that I can share with, but I did an article on LinkedIn and I did a pod, uh, not podcast, a webinar last week on personal brand. Mm. And I said that for me, we are going so fast through life. We're just busy, 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 busy. We were. Yep. And we have been stopped big time in our tracks. And for me, 
personally and, and well in fact lots of the conversations I've I've been having this has been an opportunity to reset rethink rethink and readdress what what we stand for and what's important to us and I think it's really important to take advantage of this time even if it's just to slow down um, and then go back revitalize but if you can do something with this time that we're spending at home not traveling you know, you're, you're literally winning time back. So think about what is it that you want to, what you want to change maybe? What do you not want to do what, when you go back? What were you tolerating? What were you accepting? Those sorts of things, what were you putting up with? And that when you think about them, do you really want to go back to where you were before? Sure. So use this time. And that might sound big. It might feel like quite scary. Oh, I don't want to change. You know, you, you, we were talking about you don't like change. Yep. I don't want to change. It's too big. It's too huge. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And the, the first thing, the first thing to do is just start by making a list of what would you want to change? What do you not want to carry on doing when you go back into the let's quote unquote new normal? Um, everyone's frustrated with that phrase, but going back to the real world, normal, whatever you want to call yep. it, you put your own phrase on it, whoever's listening, but what do you want to change? What do you want to be? What do you want to be different? And I've used this opportunity to, I've had, I'm a really great ideas person, but I've actually used the opportunity to get some of my ideas down on paper in, in more of a kind of a, a structured way. Um, I, you know, I made jam yesterday on Sunday, sorry. I made jam like, woo, you know, I, I just, I, I probably would have done at some point in three years time, but I just wanted to try out making jam, but just because I felt quite relaxed, um, you know, I love cooking anyway. So that was quite easy for me. But then there's just some things I'm, I'm thinking about all the kind of networking events I used to go to, all the other events. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go back to that world. I'm not sure if I'll, I'm going to embrace being more selective about where I go and who I, who I meet up with and not be constantly on the move. Just really accept that slowing down pace. So, yeah, I think this is a really important time to, 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 to think about what's important to you, what you want to let go of. And what you want to grasp maybe maybe a good uh, question to ask yourself as well i think i, I think everyone's gonna be asking now how did the jam go jam's amazing really? i've got i made two jars and um I, i'm on i don't spend a lot of time on instagram but i pop them on instagram as you do um <laughs> and then i've got people going oh can i get some can i taste it <laughs> the plums actually this is amazing the plums come from my so wow plums come from my garden lovely i have a plum tree and I made plums from my garden. Look at me, all check me out. Oscar, <laughs> so, so bohemian. Um, yeah, so bohemian, yeah. Um, and I probably te 10 years ago, jam meat, never. Yeah. Gardening, <laughs> But you know, we change, we live and learn. Um, but the jam's amazing. It's plum, cinnamon, and a, a little bit of ginger. And uh, I'm, I have to choose who I'm gonna share it with. <laughs> You're very selective about the people that get to taste it. You know, I've only well, got so much. I, I talked about, um, l l you know, what's in it for me. I'm like, oh, my jam's good. I don't want to give it away. And then I'm like, oh, where's my jam gone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I'll share, the, I'll share one jar and I'll keep one jar for me and my partner. <laughs> nice. Um, so final question and the question that I ask everyone during this, uh, during this period, what do you think that hiring or recruitment uh, will look like post-COVID? And I guess on top of that, what changes do you think that we'll, we'll start seeing? So what hiring looks like, I think there's that kind of, and the, the two questions go kind of hand to hand, hand yeah. in hand there, obviously, but the remote working thing, 
So it always surprised me about how many companies did not trust their staff enough to allow them to work from home. I hear that now. And there's so many companies that my friends, partners, colleagues, clients are working for. And they were like before, no way, it's not going to happen, never going to happen. And now it's amazing. And everyone's so productive and they're like, hmm, this could perhaps work. So I think there's going to be more role in terms of recruitment. There's definitely going to be more roles that are remote, remote working. And I think companies are definitely going to be up for not, notwithstanding that we probably have to be in this kind of middle ground until the end of the year. Anyway, I think more companies are going to advocate remote working. So you'll probably see people moving out of London. Um, sorry, I know London's not the only place, but it's a big hub. Um, out of the cities and, and going to live somewhere else because they can then remote work rather than having to commute. Travelling will definitely change as well, commuting. So maybe the, the, you'll find that the, the tubes and, and train systems are not so clogged up because people are, are still staying at home as well. Yeah, I, I can't wait to, uh, to, for that to be the case. I hate going into London on the tubes. And I, uh, I agree with your point that you, we don't want to look at London in isolation, but I think it's the same whether you're in Seoul or whether you're in New York or whether you're yeah. in Hong Kong. Um, I remember going, I think the best in, interrail system that I've ever been on was Bangkok uh, because you actually felt like you weren't stuffed in. Whereas you go into the underground in London, if you aren't from London and suddenly you land in the underground, it is a terrifying feat. So like when you're commuting in in the morning, you're not really thinking about that person that's landed in Heathrow and is going towards their hotel in central London and you're coming towards your office and they're all in the way and everything like that. Yeah. So I'm hoping that after this, because there's less people coming into London, we're a little bit more welcoming to people that come here from a tourist perspective, which I don't yeah. ever really feel is the case. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, unfortunately, my, my theory, I talked about my wisdom, my spooky wisdom. Um, we all change for a little bit and then we'll just, as humans, just go back to how we were. <laughs> sorry pessimist. i'm so cynical such a pessimist <laughs> well it's unfortunately some people will change but not enough to yeah. make that massive difference um yeah and and we will still be unkind to tourists uh yeah okay well <laughs> may, 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 maybe yeah i was gonna say i was i, I thought we were all gonna become uh uh like buddhist enlightened and, uh, like Gandhi and thinking about everyone but may, maybe i'm uh, wishing for something that's never gonna happen um, but I, I guess we've kind of got to the end of the, the podcast. I want to thank you again for, for coming on. Uh, I think that there's going to be loads of people after this, having listened to some of the things you've said, that will want to reach out to you. So what's the best way to reach out to you after this? Um, so, yeah, happy to do that. Thank you very much for having me as well. I really enjoyed our conversation. Right. Um, best way to – my home is mainly on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, Rosemary Y. Wilson is my name on, um, on LinkedIn. But I'm also on, I'm on Twitter. I play it well. No, I'm not really on Twitter. I'm there, but I'm not really there. And I'm, on, I'm on Instagram, yeah. yeah. I haven't quite mastered the whole twitter and No, anything. my uh, partner keeps trying to get me into TikTok. And uh, I avoided that. I was like, I went from Bebo to Facebook. I touched Twitter for a few days and then went off it. Don't try <laughs> to get me involved in Instagram or anything like that. Insta? I'm, no, I'm just not into that. Like I, I have LinkedIn, I have Facebook that I barely use. 
Uh, and then you can find me in the wider world. I don't want yeah. to be found in the real world, in the, exactly. in the human so world. In the real world. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I'm kicking and screaming. I do like LinkedIn because you can have real conversations, and you can, you don't have to be on the walls. You can have messaging and stuff as well. So I love that as well. LinkedIn, to, as a as a final point, LinkedIn for me has been the big changer during lockdown. Yeah, I barely use LinkedIn. I occasionally would like something. But some of the interactions and some of the people I've met, and this podcast came off the back of LinkedIn. It uh, we, certainly we, did. It was such so, a br- brilliant story. Exactly. So, like, uh, I think the LinkedIn has been a game changer of the last few months. And there's some people that are very cynical of LinkedIn, but I think that LinkedIn has worked perfectly during this. Yeah, definitely so. for me as well. Amazing. Right. Um, so, thank you very much for listeners. And uh, like Rosemary said, please reach out to her or reach out to myself and the hacker job team if you've got any questions thanks again